Hello and welcome to the Christian Women in Business podcast show. We are an online community of Christian women in business and we are aligning our businesses with God. I'm your host, Sarah Jane Neeson, and I wanted to create a platform where women can come to be inspired, to learn from women who have been there and done that, and know what it's really like to run a business as a Christian and what it means to them. I would love for you to join us as we get into the meat of the word share the love of God, and grow our businesses like never before. For more information about becoming a member, visit our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Looking forward to sharing these podcasts with you and helping you to grow as a leader and a business owner like never before. Hello there and welcome to the Christian Women in Business podcast show. It is so great to have you here today. We are excited because we are joined today by our very second male on the show. Gosh, Grant, you must feel so lucky. So this individual um, is on a mission to create fairer paid employment and training opportunities Um, for those in need and he'll explain a little bit about that uh, as we get into the podcast but I just love what he's doing and on the weekend he loves cycling and cooking for his friends. Welcome to the show Grant Smith. Hi thank you very much and yes I do feel rather privileged that uh, I'm one of the few uh, males that uh, you've done a podcast with so thank you for that. (laughs) That's okay and what makes it even more special is you're from the UK. Ah, so two, two, two specialities in one. <laughs> yeah. So can you share with us whereabouts in the UK you're from? Uh, so I live in Chelmsford in Essex, which is about 50 miles to the east of London. And then my office is about 15 kilometres from my home in a place called Whittam. Uh, and I actually, in the summer months, uh, cycle to the office every day. So that helps to save on gym membership uh, and some vain attempt to try to keep you fit. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. It's just turned cold here um, in Australia and the weather is very weird. I uh, know us English people right. are talking about the weather. So it was... Usually in May, it starts getting a bit cold, but we were in 27s, so it was really, really nice, and the ocean was still warm. And then in a day, it went from 27 to 4 degrees, and in some areas, we're in the minuses. What? So we are in absolute shock. <laughs> so um, the sun's still shining, which is good, but, yeah, it's it's just mm. gone brisk, and we've just had a dump of snow in the snowy mountains so it's certainly changing which means it must be warming up for you guys now indeed uh, that's exactly what's happening here of course in the summer we change our clocks around to make the evenings longer so it makes uh, cycling in and out of work uh, very pleasurable oh that's good that's good now you've had quite an interesting um journey uh throughout your career and kind of what you're doing um as your business stroke ministry so can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today you'd explain that qualified as a quantity surveyor 
Uh, a lot of people don't know what a quality surveyor is, but if you wanted to build a factory, you would go to for you. And in the UK, you'd come to a quantity surveyor to tell you how much it would cost. And then if you were my client, uh, I would look after the costs on your behalf to make sure that you get back. That's a little bit of background of my uh, profession. Um, but how I got into all, all that we're talking about, one years ago, uh, two friends of mine, Pete and Dave, uh, asked if I would start a chatty. Uh, so uh, Pete and Dave, um, who had supported, had been to a project in Brazil, um, supporting 300 and not, and I said, because there are plenty good Christian charities around doing great work, why start another one? And they turned around and said to me, okay, go to the project and then give us your response. And I thought, I went to Brazil, I went to meet a man called Macondas Marcus, and who could have been a wealthy businessman but had actually established a school and community for 300 children that lived in the favela across the road and I was so inspired by his commitment and love for these children uh, that I came back to the UK and agreed with Pete and Dave to start a charity uh, called Hand in Hand. The following year um, I then traveled to Kenya in partnership with Tier Fund, and I took a, a youth team uh, to two uh, projects in Kenya which were associated with Tier Fund, so nothing to do with hand in hand. And when we visited those projects, two of the young men who came with me said, we would like to start a charity to support one of those projects in Nairobi. And so we said to them, well, let's not do that. Why don't you become trustees of hand in hand and do it under the umbrella of hand in hand? And that resulted in me traveling to Kenya, uh, both for this project and then uh, as other projects started to come online. And our concept was always that we would uh, um, bring support to local indigenous Christians who are already making a response to poverty in their communities, in their villages, in their towns. Um, so we wouldn't start anything and actually we wouldn't be proactive in doing anything. We'd simply support what local Christians were already doing perspective. And so that's how Hand in Hand, the charity, began. Then two years later, I was sitting in a tin shed, which this family called their house. It was a slum house in Dagoretti Market. And we were sponsoring two of their children uh, through the local church into education. And as I sat in this tin house with the mother of the two children that we were sponsoring, I thought to myself, do these children actually aspire to anything more than this tin shed? And my challenges in Kenya is that because unemployment is so high, uh, those at the bottom end basically get paid very poor wages. For that day, I believe God challenged me to, could we create commercial business that paid people at the lower end of the scale a little bit better? Sense was the vision or the challenge. Uh, however you want to word it. And that was um, eight, 18 or 19 years ago. And uh, we went into to various different businesses, all financed by my wife and myself, um, and had some limited success. 
but we're never really employing uh, the numbers that we, we wanted to. So bear in mind the reason we went into the business was to employ people and pay them a bit fairer than they were currently being paid. So if we weren't employing very many, then clearly the business wasn't being that successful. And then in 2008, I was invited into a housing project. And for all we realised that this housing project wouldn't achieve all of our aims uh, because our Kenyan partners uh, didn't have the same goals as us, we also knew that because it was a project building 230 houses, that it would actually put us on the map that we were capable of uh, undertaking large construction projects. Uh, What that has led to now, so in 2019, is that we have just uh, completed a 16-storey office block for CMS Africa. Um, CMS Africa owned uh, 0.6 of an acre of land right in the heart of Nairobi. Uh, They bought it about 15 years ago for a very small amount of money, just a few thousand pounds, and today is worth 1.3 million sterling pounds. So how we structured the relationship with them was we went out and found investment to build a 16-storey building, and CMS Africa owned their equity share in the final development. So uh, if, let's say, for example, the development cost was about 5 million sterling pounds, uh, then 1.3 million is about 20%-ish of the final development. So we built this um, 16-storey building for them, and they own... I think it works out at 22% of the building. Uh, The consequence of that is that they have beautiful offices, uh, but it also uh, generates in the region of £250,000 per annum for their ministry. So that that was something we never intended to uh, attempt to achieve. Our main goal was to create fair employment and training. Uh, But the generating income for Christian missions has become a bit of an accidental spin-off from our main purpose. But through the construction, we employed 150 people for 18 months paying above the minimum wage, and we created 16 apprenticeship programs uh, in partnership with the local um, Church of England uh, construction training school. So that project effectively achieved the um, paying above the uh, paying, paying wages a little bit fairer, as was our intention, uh, creating commercial training, uh, but then also to CMS Africa. And as I sit at my desk now, uh, we actually have somewhere in the region of 50 to 60 potential projects that we could start tomorrow, all Christian ministries, all who own land in Kenya, all who have no money to develop that land. Uh, Therefore, we would partner them, develop their land for them in order to uh, fulfil our ambition to create fair employment and training and then to support their ministry in generating uh, sustainable income uh, through the rents of the the portion of the building that they own and can rent out to local people, which, of course, is inflation-proof. And the big advantage of that is that is creating um, sustainable income which they can decide how to use rather than donors um, determining what a ministry does 
And I don't mean that to sound negative, but no, quite no. often donors, exactly, they, they think they know it all uh, and they are well-meaning. I'm not, I'm not doubting their well-meaning, but they will have a burden of how they feel that money should be spent. But by CMS Africa uh, generating their own money, it means that they're in con- total control of how they manage and how they respond to the vision that God has given them. Uh, so, as I say, we have about 50 or 60 uh, potential projects that we could start tomorrow. Uh, all, we, uh, all we lack is um, access to enough investment money, which I'm sure uh, so many business people uh, will sit and say, uh, we've got, we ticked six of the boxes, but investment is our challenge. Um, so that's basically how we've got to the business that we do today. That's awesome. I love that it's what you're doing embraces kind of, um, I guess, every aspect that is a dream for a Christian business owner, the sense that you are building a business as the foundation. You are reaching people that not very many people can reach if you're just doing business normal business day-to-day in your own kind of country if you like Um, and you're doing it in a way that's enabling people to be empowered you're not going in there like you say like some organizations do and tell them how to run things you're empowering them to you're empowering and you're teaching them at the same time and you're not just teaching them building skills you're teaching them hope of what can be done if it's done well and buildings are, I'm a big believer that buildings are something that are just so needed for humans as just a basic necessity to do things. Um, and that's why we love personally like residential investments um, as well as commercial. But I just think what you're doing just ticks so many boxes. And I'm sure within all those moments, you made contacts where you're just like, this would never have happened if it wasn't for God. Like how contact, how those contacts would have come together. And I bet you've had some real wow moments and then some really like, oh my gosh, what's going on moments within all that journey. Uh, so uh, you've you've guessed completely correctly. Um, I've always been of the philosophy that if anybody says to me, you should go and talk to so-and-so or you should go and meet so-and-so, uh, I will always do it, regardless of where they live or where they're from, uh, because I'm a firm believer that if, if, you, if somebody has been prompted to say to me, by God, uh, go and speak to so-and-so, you never know what can come out of it. My Everybody in the business in Kenya is Kenyan, except for me. I'm the only one who is a non-Kenyan. So my business partner, uh, Peter Njero, he is a Kenyan businessman. Uh, the other consultants, architects, quantity surveyors, engineers, they're all uh, Kenyan. The contractors that we deploy, they're all Kenyan. So everything that we do is is simply motivating uh, and mobilizing uh, Kenyans. But Peter and Jero is uh, a man who runs his own oil business, a uh, committed Christian man, uh, started that business from nothing, 
uh, actually around the same sort of time as we as I met him. And uh, I appreciate that I'm not so familiar with um, which Australian uh, businessmen are highly recognised. Uh, but in the UK, uh, there are people that stand out like Alan Sugar and Richard Branson, who uh, I'm not going to get into their ethics, but they certainly stand out as being successful business people. And Peter and Jero is almost like a Christian Kenyan version of them. He is, he is so highly ridiculous. Uh, for his integrity, for the way that he does business. And I've become his business partner. How on earth does that happen uh, if God isn't in it? Because I was, you know, literally, and I'm not trying to play myself down uh, in any way in this, but he had no need for me. He was successful without me. Uh, he didn't need Grant Smith to come and input into his business to make him successful. He was a... he. He is a very successful business without me, but we have partnered this, and I believe that a substantial reason as to why uh, we have access to 50 or 60 Christian ministries plots of land is because of when I walk into a room and people know that I'm in business with Peter and Jero, uh, that gives me 80% credibility straight away. Mm -hmm. um, I only have to make up the other 20%. If I can't mm -hmm. even achieve that, 80% is good enough. So, <laughs> so literally... Uh, you know, sometimes I think, how did I end up in business with Peter? And the conclusion, it can only be uh, God. And there are, are several other relationships I could tell you like that. But also, I could tell you of other relationships which I hoped would come to something. And actually, today, as we sit here talking, nothing has come of them. Um, so I'd love to say that, you know, I have such a relationship with God that uh, when he directs me to a particular person, uh, I embrace it with both hands, uh, and then there's a phenomenal success story that comes out of it. Um, that's not the case. Uh, there have been people that I thought we could do business together with, people who are of Christian integrity, uh, and actually it's just dissolved in, into nothing. And my experience has been is... Um, I just wish I had a little bit more of a prophetic gift so that I didn't perhaps waste so much time uh, pursuing uh, dead avenues. But but that's just how it is. And I'm sure other people do have a more prophetic gift than I do. Um, but my experience has been you win some, you lose some. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So after that incredibly inspiring story that you shared with us today, um, if someone was kind of thinking about doing a similar thing to you, not necessarily in construction, but kind of the same principles of wanting to create work and training opportunities either in their own country or in a third world country, what would be your five top tips for them going into that? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I think my first one would be, is that no problem is too big for God. And if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is God, uh, then no problem is too big for us. And I think so often we look at challenges, we look at scenarios, we look at wanting to feed hungry people, we look at wanting to pay people properly. But if we trust uh, and our disciples of Almighty God, uh, then we know uh, theoretically that no problem, I would argue, no problem is 
too big for us. My second uh, point would be that whoever you are, um, and as you've just said, you know, I've done it in construction, um, but this certainly isn't exclusive to construction. Whoever you are, whatever you are good at, whatever your gifting is, God created you that way for a reason. And uh, I wasn't, um, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not an accountant, I'm not a, a vicar. Uh, that, that isn't how God made me. God made me a quantity surveyor. And so uh, there was a point in my life where I actually just sat down and said to God, this is who I am, this is what I enjoy, this is what I'm good at. How do you want me to use who I am to contribute to your kingdom today? Um, and the answer didn't come straight away, uh, but it certainly helped me to realize that uh, I should be using my construction ability rather than trying to be somebody that I'm not. Mm. My third point would be, uh, why do you want to make money? Now, there is nothing wrong with money, uh, so don't uh, get me wrong. But I have grown um, a privileged position. I grew up in the UK. I had access to uh, free education. Uh, I was gifted um, a reasonable brain uh, as a child. Uh, and have been able to uh, apply that. And as a consequence of that, there have been many opportunities for me, uh, both as a consultant quantity surveyor and then uh, the last uh, 15 or 20 years um, in business. Now, why have, going back in a sense to my second point, why have I been privileged to be able to do that? And as I'm around the world, sounds a bit grand, but I've travelled to, to many countries and I see and meet so many people that haven't had the same opportunities as I've had, uh, whether that be educationally, whether it simply be that they're not as academically uh, sharp as, as I uh, have been allowed to be. And I think to myself, God has made me this way, and I need to be a good steward of what God has trusted me with. So whether that's my ability to employ people, whether that's my ability to produce a quality product, but think through when you go into business, what is it that I want to achieve with my business? Any commercial business has to make money. Otherwise, it doesn't stay in it. It doesn't trade. I make a loss in my business. I have no business. But think what also that can achieve, which is a far bigger picture than purely a financial bottom line. And then fourthly, I would say accountable to people that you trust, because it's very easy to go into business. You may have very little money. Uh, you may have an idea. You may have a skill or a market where you think you could supply it. And you think what I want to do is I want to give away 80 percent of what I earn uh, to uh, social enterprise or I want to employ um, 50% of my workforce are people with uh, learning difficulties or, or, or many, many various different goals. That's very easy to establish when you start out. But then when your business is turning over millions of dollars, harder uh, practice to then give away 80%, you need to make yourself accountable in your calling to 
your business and your vision you set that business up. And I realise there, I just used a word that I don't like using, calling. I don't like using the word calling because I think that sometimes Christians can almost hide behind it um, and say, well, I haven't been called, therefore uh, I'm not doing X, Y, or Z. Um, I believe I have been called into this work, but there's nothing that I have done which is miraculous. I could see a need for construction in Nairobi. I could see the difference it could make in employing people and creating uh, apprenticeships. I could then see how that benefit Christian ministries. And I did what I knew I could. There was no, um, there was no big flashing light which said to me, Grant, go and build a 16-storey building at the back of the IR Centre in Nairobi. Um, so that's why I don't like using the word calling because I think we can use it as a, a little bit of a get-out clause. And my fifth, my fifth point about um, business is business is tough. Whether you are a Christian or not, business is tough. And being a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that business is going to be easier. Uh, the difference it makes being a Christian is that if you believe, uh, that was a bit elongated, if you believe that God has um, asked you to do a business and you believe that the outcomes of the business are where God is leading you, then you certainly know, as in my first point, that uh, God will be with you. Uh, God has never promised to make life easy for us, but God has promised that he will be with us. And therefore, don't think because um, you feel that you should be doing a business which is going to achieve X, Y, or Z and have many different spin-offs, and I'm a Christian, therefore everything is going to flow fine, uh, but it will. Uh, because I can guarantee to you that the challenges of business are the same whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. But at least you can turn to God when you've got those challenges and build that relationship with him to see you through those challenging times. That's awesome. So they are some really good, great, deep points. Um, so I'll just quickly recap over what you just shared. So we've got uh, number one, that is no problem is too big for God. Uh, remembering that we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the same Holy Spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead. Um, and has just this amazing power and who created who we are, created the world, and he holds it in his hands. So nothing is too big for him. Number two is God created you, who you are, uniquely for a reason. Don't try and fight it. Instead, ask how you can serve God with it. Um, And you made a good point about not trying to be someone that you're not, so not trying to fit into being a pastor or being in pastoral care like God's given you a business head and your skill for a reason that is what he wants you to do uh, and and use it and and moving on to point three with that is um, making sure you are being a good steward with whatever God has given you so the question is why do you want to make money Um, and then that's good but let's look beyond that what is it you want to achieve with it Um, that's unique to you and what's 
in your passion in your heart um, to help better the world as well as you're building your business uh, number five uh, number four sorry is to be accountable with the people that you trust uh, and not hiding behind the word calling and I absolutely love that you brought that topic up because I uh, often ask okay so you, what's the biggest challenge in your business right now or what's the one thing you want to study about the word of God and, and business and many 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 of the answers are I want to know what my calling is and mm. it absolutely drives me insane and I <laughs> I feel I am the same as you and I feel like maybe that might be some I'm trying to be very diplomatic how I say this some very big influencers have put so much into find your calling pray to God for your calling do this for your calling do that for your calling what's your purpose that people Mm. now are just so freaked out about getting it wrong or they think that, like you said, you've got to wait until, you know, you're walking in the middle of the street and suddenly fireworks start coming out and it's this miraculous thing where mm. it's not. It, it is about going through point one, two and three and going, okay, so how is it that I can serve you with that God? Like, what are you good at? Uh, what is it that you do and the hours just pass by uh, and is it making you money? And if it is, well, it's on your lap already. You don't need to go looking for it. Like, and just follow and trust in that journey and, and follow your dreams. There's no big magic sign. Um, God will make sure that you cross paths with who you need to along the way. We just need to rock up basically and just do not be worried about that stuff. So thank you for bringing that up. And I hope that that confirms a lot of for the listener today if you're in that I'm not sure what my calling is stage Mm -hmm. or if you're feeling confused um and then number five which I also love um and it's just so truthful and so honest and that is business is tough whether you're a Christian or not (laughs) it is and we all go through ups and downs and one day you're on top of the world and then it just takes something uh a problem or something goes wrong and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like the worst thing ever. Uh, But the difference is, is that you do have God. And Mm -hmm. like Grant said, go back to point one. No problem is too big for him. So there's some really, really good points. I really, really appreciate you sharing those with us today. So you've kind of shared a little bit on this, but can you share with us further? How do you incorporate God into your business? Uh, yeah, so uh, first of all, working as a charity, it's much easier to be visibly seen as Christian if you work through uh, local Christian networks. So particularly the church, uh, but also uh, Christian groups that share what you're trying to achieve, uh, because visibly people can see, are oh, in that case you must be you must be Christian. But in business, it's a completely different ball game because. I can't run my business through the church. So how do we as a a company, how does Hand in Hand Group identify itself that actually the whole reason that we're in this is because of God? And the first uh, point that I was thinking of as I worked through that is the whole challenge and the whole uh, natural response to treat everybody 
uh, with respect and fairly. I think we've developed a culture, certainly in the UK, where almost how you display your financial wealth gives you a position in society. And therefore, why do I need to find out how the cleaner is today? Uh, because he's just a cleaner. Uh, and But it is a biblical principle that we are created one in the sight of God. Uh, Philippians uh, 2 verse 3, in, in humility, consider others better than ourselves. And that is such a, a norm that, that Christians ought to be able to implement. Um, but I think actually uh, we struggle to do. And I, but I believe it's a fundamental godly principle. But also doing business in Kenya, uh, as uh, you may well imagine, has its challenges with bribery and corruption. Mm. And I am speaking firmly, purely from a Kenyan perspective. I've never worked in Nigeria. I've never worked uh, in um, India. I've never worked anywhere else. I'm not, when, what I'm about to say applies purely to Kenya because I don't know how business and I don't know how Christians uh, challenge or uh, negotiate through uh, bribery and corruption in those other countries. I can only speak of my own experience. But what I can say in Kenya is that we have never authorised a bribe. We have never paid a bribe. And the biggest challenge you have is when you come up against uh, public bodies like Nairobi City Council or other, other city uh, offices um, where the norm is actually to bribe in order to get what you want. And we've always taken a stance that we don't. And we've, we've achieved everything that we've wanted to achieve. It just takes, in some cases, a lot longer. Uh, but we have considered that as Christians, that uh, that's the stance that we would take. Uh, so I appreciate that bribery and corruption is a sensitive area, and I appreciate that some people could be listening to this and thinking, well, that's all very well for you, but you don't live in my uh, environment. And I fully agree with you. I can only talk of my own experience. But what I'd also like to add to that is that in all the 18 years I've been working here, I've never been offered a bribe. And what I believe that tells you is that we have made our godly stance uh, that this is how we conduct our business. And people realize that there's no point offering people who work for Hand in Hand Group a bribe uh, because it will probably do you uh, more harm than good. The whole point of what we do is to serve people. Uh, I've already made the, the point that... Um, if we don't make money, then we go bankrupt. So clearly uh, making money is a focus. But the reason we set up the business was for the outcomes, not our income. And that makes us, I would say, significantly different to so many other businesses. Uh, why did we go into this business as I sat in that tin shed in Dagoretti Market? It was because we believed that we could achieve outcomes uh, for people uh, that were poorer, that didn't have access to fair employment. And so although obviously the income is crucial, because without it, there is no business. I realise I now said that three or four times. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's clearly is true. But that isn't our prime focus of why we set up business. 
We did this business because we believed we could have an impact on people's lives commercially. And I might, I might add, we still run the charity. So I'm not saying uh, commercial business is the uh, only answer to, to poverty or to uh, having social impact. Um, but certainly business has a response. And in my view, it is Christian business decision makers who can change the way their businesses work to have a fairer outcome and output to everybody they employ, to every product they produce, to every outcome of their business that demonstrates the quality that God is driving that business. And I don't think, I don't want to be shy about that. I think, I think we need to stand up and say, I'm a Christian and the reason I'm doing business is for this, this, this and this. Uh, and I thank God that this far I hadn't had to compromise uh, in any situations uh, what I believe is the correct way uh, to undertake business in a godly fashion. Because mm. you're putting God first, kingdom first. That's awesome. Um, and it, can, can you share with us then from that, what is your uh, Bible verse for this season and why? So uh, I think if you'd ask me that question uh, 20 years ago, uh, it would be the same answer as it's going to be today. And my answer is Matthew 25, 40. Uh, Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. When When you flip the situation around to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, when you see a a poor person who effectively has been taken advantage of so often by a richer person. And possibly that could even be a Christian person who has never actually looked at it in this way. When we see that whatever we do for whoever, and Matthew 25, 40 says, whatever you did for the least of these, but it's not just a question of the least. It's actually for anybody uh, you did for me. And in, in Kenya, uh, you don't, if you're in a church setting and you introduce yourself, um, it's, if, you, if you say I'm Grant Smith and I'm a Christian, uh, that doesn't mean a great deal because the, the title Christian has become so devalued uh, mm-hmm. and people who call themselves Christian actually don't behave, of course, many people don't behave in a godly way. And so now if I'm in church, how I introduce myself is I'm, I'm Grant and I'm attempting to live my life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the key word there, obviously, is attempting, um, because fundamentally, through the business, through how we live, how I live my life, it is an attempt to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And therefore, that's why that verse has never changed for me, is that whatever I attempt to do, I'm trying to do it for Jesus. Mm. That's so powerful. I absolutely love your view and perspective on uh, how you approach, um, I guess, Christianity as as in like the religion, the religious side, if you like. You're not putting it out there in the way of, you know, look at me, look at me. And like you said, I'm a Christian is a little bit diluted now to perhaps how it was respected back in the day. 
but it's saying, hey, you know what? I'm a human. I'm not perfect. All this stuff. I'm just giving it a go. All good. <laughs> so after, so pulling all this together, um, you have done a lot. You've seen a lot. Um, and you've been going for a fair number of years. You've shown us kind of the ministry side and the charity side of what you're doing. Um, you sh- you've given us uh, a business perspective and you compiled all this into a book. Is that right? That's right, yes. And uh, so has the book launched and what's the book called? So the book has just uh, launched. Um, it came out about two weeks ago. Uh, I've actually been writing the book for seven years. Uh, yeah, I started in 2012 uh, then a publisher got involved in 2015, and it's taken four years of wa- walking with the publisher, who basically wanted to try to understand uh, why I do what I do in order to publish the story. Uh, as I always argued with Stephanie, is I've got the story, but you know how to tell it. And uh, so we've gone through quite a, a process of pruning, shall we say, uh, in order to achieve the outcome. But the book is called... The Accidental Social Entrepreneur. Uh, It's a title that the publisher came up with. I resisted that title for a long time. Um, The first reason being was I wasn't actually sure what an entrepreneur was. Um, (laughs) Then I was at an event who described it for me and said, an entrepreneur is somebody who makes something out of nothing. I thought, yep, that will work for me. Not quite an Oxford Dictionary definition, uh, but it will do for this situation. And the second reason I didn't want to have that title was I couldn't spell entrepreneur. But having practiced it uh, several times now, (laughs) uh, I have come to the conclusion that it is a good title. And the reason we've said accidental is because, as I've explained in the earlier story, is it was intentional to create the employment. It was intentional to create the training. But it wasn't intentional to have the benefit to the Christian ministries. And so, therefore, we put the word accidental in because that was never uh, part of the plan. But people like yourself who have reviewed uh, the book um, have been really, really encouraging to me, uh, if I can just say why. If I write you an email or even if I phone you up or even in a podcast, uh, I have a message that I'm wanting to convey to you. And you could misinterpret that message in an email or even on the telephone call. What was so encouraging about the people that uh, very kindly read through the manuscript and did a forward or did a recommendation for me was it was clear that I had been able to communicate and it had been understood the message that I was trying to get uh, across, which obviously to a large extent we've discussed today. But the story, the book, The Accidental Social Entrepreneur, it talks about the failures. It talks about the mistakes. It talks about the, the bad judgments. It talks about um, when things go wrong. It talks about uh, poor cash flow. It talks about really questioning whether uh, I'm in the right place. And in the opening page, it actually says, this is a book about how God can be trusted, but he doesn't half make it hard at times. And when I published, my publisher read that line, She said, this is a book that needs to be printed because when people read that line, they're going to want to work, they're going to want to read more to find out what you're getting at. So you might have guessed there's a little bit of humor in it. There's a lot of stories, 
but it isn't just about business. It is about where we started this interview. Um, who are you? How are you using who you are to contribute to the kingdom of God today in the person that uh, you've been gifted to be? That's so good. And yes, I have read the book and it's very good. So where can our listeners find your book if they wanted to buy it? Okay, so um, if you wanted to buy it um, through the internet, the best place to go is www.muddypearl.com. The reason I'm recommending you to go to the publisher is because let me just say other online retailers uh, demand such heavy discounts, mm. uh, which really challenges small Christian publishers who uh, are publishing basically manuscripts that they believe should be printed and quite often have possibly been turned away by larger publishers because they won't make money. Uh, Muddy Pearl is a ministry that is getting out into uh, everyday life stories that they believe um, God wants to use to challenge people or inspire people or whatever it may be. But I appreciate that there will be some people who are listening to this podcast who don't have access uh, to um, a UK website or for it to be delivered from a UK website. So it is available uh, on Amazon. Awesome. And how long altogether did you say it took you to pull the book together? <laughs> so I started in 2012. Oh, um, yeah. I wrote over 100,000 words um, yeah. in the first two or three years. And then the publisher got involved with me in 2015. And they uh, basically, well, they didn't rewrite it. That would be uh, a bit dramatic. But they, they basically took out uh, some of the stuff they felt was superfluous. So it came down to 60,000 words. It was told slightly differently, um, but they've been involved with me for four years. So the total That's length awesome. has been seven years. Seven years. That's such a good effort. Good on you for having a go and for, for pulling all that together. Um, even you. just for having a go at what you did anyway. You took, I wouldn't say risk is the right word, but you had a vision and you went with it. Um, yeah. and within that were different risks. Uh, but you know, you're, you're kind of on the other side now, if you get what I'm saying, you know, you've, you've done a few years, um, and like you've written in your book, you've, you've told the ups and downs and, uh, the lessons that you've learned, which have been absolutely priceless. So, um, if you listeners, if you're thinking about, um, doing something similar to what Grant is doing, or God's kind of giving you that vision and you want to learn from someone who's been there, done that, um, more than what we've shared on the podcast, go and find Grant's book. We'll also put the link to it on the website. So if you didn't catch that website or you're driving, don't worry, just head over to the show notes. We'll pop it in there. Um, and are you on social media or Grant? Yes, I'm on uh, Facebook. So if you just search for Grant Smith, uh, you should find me. I'm on um, LinkedIn, um, I should be on Twitter, but I'm afraid I'm not very good at that one. But I am on, on Twitter. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you can, I'd be very happy if anybody uh, wanted to connect with me or uh, ask me, explore anything that I've said today. I'm very happy uh, for that. Um, uh, do I give my email address? Is that something that's appropriate? Or Oh, you can do if you want to. 
Yep. Yeah. So if you wanted to contact me, it's grant at handinhandgroup.com. Uh, I'm sure you all know Hand in Hand Group is just one word. Uh, or visit our website, which is the front, the front page that you'll go on to is uh, investing with impact. Um, if if you you know you want to question me or ask me about anything, I'm very very happy uh, to talk to anybody that is interesting in trying to serve God in this way. That's awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for your generosity um, of all the wisdom and knowledge that you shared with us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and yeah, listeners, if you want to get in contact with Grant, please do. Um, if you're in the UK, then he's even closer, but um, I'm sure you wouldn't mind hearing from people all the way in Australia as well. I know that there's some of you guys who are listening today that have this passion and this same drive of what Grant does. So here's your opportunity to chat with someone who's been there and done that and can um, encourage you in your journey as well. You're listening to the Christian Women in Business podcast show and we'll catch you next time. Sarah Jane here. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'd love it if you could please share this podcast with your friends. Please rate our podcast on iTunes. And for more information about becoming a member of Christian Women in Business, head over to our website, www.christianwomeninbusiness.com.au. Catch you next time.